Testing one, two, three. Here I go. Give me that microphone. Welcome to the Badass Recovery Podcast. I'm Pamela. And I'm Melissa. And we're here to give you straight talk. Clarity, people. On the big words full of stigma. Addiction, sobriety, recovery, shame, and even the G word. (laughs) Don't worry, we'll ease you into it. We're two badass recovered alcoholics who've truly transformed our lives through the process of recovery. So be prepared for an unfiltered, deep, and powerful journey. We're about to drop some truth bombs here, but you are here to find your freedom from that thing that is keeping you small. Yes, let's do this. Welcome to Your Badass Recovery. Hola, hola. I am so excited that you're here. We have a kick-ass topic today. This one's kind of a game changer. It really was for us. Today, we're going to be unpacking what the fuck is shame. (sighs) I want to take a deep breath and say, For me, shame was the number one offender in keeping me in my two-year relapse after five years of sobriety. So we're going to break that down. We're going to talk about what it feels like, what it sounds like to have shame take over our lives. We're going to also, of course, talk about how to ditch it, how to get rid of shame. We are going to talk about a process. And in this conversation, we're going to talk about an incredible teacher who's kind of shifted everything for us when it comes to this and other topics. She's a badass. This is Brene Brown. And in the show, please don't forget to go and check out the show notes where we're going to talk about how to reach and learn more about her body of work. Anyway, how to identify shame, how to ditch it, and what the fuck to do about shame in your life. Don't forget to review, rate, subscribe, and share. When you do that, we can reach more ears, more ears, more healing. We need you to help us shift the conversation around addiction and recovery. Here we go. Let's unpack together what the fuck is shame. Hello, everyone. This is Pamela. And Alyssa. And today we're going to talk about a big bad wolf. Uh... Subject that actually had the capacity to almost kill me. Shame. Yeah. Mm. So why it's so important, I think, for us to talk about this today, babe, is because we all have shame. Mm. And because we are discussing addiction Mm. and recovery, and shame is such a huge part of that little journey, we really should kind of dive a little deeper. Addiction and shame always go hand in hand. So. Why don't we start by you telling us a definition of shame? Our favorite is from the one and only Brene Brown. She really really nails it. And what she says is that shame is intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love, belonging, and connection. Mm. Shame is the fear of disconnection. And it's so funny because I think you and I mentioned yesterday that my addiction and the way that I experienced was I disconnected from the world. Yeah. I don't really know if shame happens because of my addiction or if my addiction happens because of shame. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It's a little messy. 
let me tell you why shame is important in my journey and why this was such a vital topic for me to really kind of dive deeper and understand in my journey, babe. Yeah. If you remember, I had two stages of sobriety, so mm-hmm. to speak. The first time that I got sober in 2009, I had five years mm-hmm. of kind of very black and white sobriety, almost kind of getting to recovery, but mm. not quite. And then I had that relapse. Mm-hmm. And the very first time that I sat in that parking lot at CVS and I drank the Chardonnay, mm. wondering if this time after five years of sobriety, that maybe it was going to be different. Mm. And as it turns out, it wasn't. I really was full of shame. From that very first drink, the very next morning, I remember feeling honestly like shit. I was like, I, I have failed. Mm. I'm a failure. And that's another thing that Brene says, that basically shame tells you that you are a failure, like mm-hmm. it fucks with the identity, right, mm-hmm. of who you are, versus guilt, mm-hmm. which guilt says more what you've done yes. was a failure. Yes. So I want to be totally clear. That act of drinking the Chardonnay, you were not going that was a bad act. No. Which would be guilt. No, exactly. You were saying, I, I am, am a failure. Yes, I'm a fuck up. Which is shame. Absolutely. So the next morning, right, I wake up and I am, you know, I'm devastated. Mm. Not only am I physically hungover, but I think it's the, the emotional hangover, right? Which mm-hmm. basically is just shame washing all over you. Yeah. Saying, you know better. What the fuck? Mm -hmm. What have you done? Mm -hmm. You threw away five years. What kind Mm -hmm. of mother? What can you, you know, like all the things. Mm. But here's the fun part. Of course, my addiction was just flexing its muscles Mm. that morning. My addiction was starting to say, thank God we are alive. (laughs) And so for the next, I mean, really for the next two years, Mm. that thing grew. And it was a cycle because the more I drank, the more that shame from two sides, my own being, Mm -hmm. again, using worse and worse words, right? Mm -hmm. You're this, you're that, da-da-da-da-da-da, especially because I had the knowledge. But we said in our past episode, knowledge doesn't actually hold a candle right? because addiction is in my mind and my mind then can't do shit with that knowledge, right? Right. So then my own self was punishing me with this horrible shame. And so I felt separated, mm-hmm. disconnected, mm-hmm. and absolutely unworthy mm. of anything good. Forgiveness, redemption, another chance, compassion. Ugh. I mean, it just like, you know. And Brene Brown says something also super fucking just visceral. She says, this is a full body contact emotion Mm -hmm. like you feel it in your head Mm because your your brain feels like it melts right Mm. you feel the heat of Mm. the shame your heart just kind of crunches your stomach the whole thing right so I felt it inwardly and then of course outwardly it also came in you shouldn't have done that from my husband and so when the world gives you shame Mm -hmm. and you give yourself shame you are stuck in so much pain Mm -hmm. that the only thing in my brain that actually was going to carry me through Mm -hmm. that pain and get me out of that pain Mm -hmm. was another drink. Mm -hmm. 
And guess mm-hmm. what happens when you drink again? More shame. Which is the definition of insanity, right? And, is... they've, and that's why I was stuck in that relapse for two fucking years. Well, so let's go here because I want to really get to the bottom of how you stayed there, mm. right? Because here you are in just what it sounds like and I can relate to just this intense amount of pain yeah, from what you're telling yourself and your solution for that is to have more alcohol, which is a self-fulfilling prophecy because it just leads to more shame and more bad inner dialogue and then more action. So the part that I want to understand is that in those moments, Pamela, Why didn't you reach out and ask for help? Great question. Every time I reached out for help, it felt like, because I had this filter of shame, Mm -hmm. that I I filtered every message that came in from my own head and then the world. Mm -hmm. I had a filter that read every message as, again, you're a failure. And so when I would, for example, say to an old sponsor, Mm -hmm. hey, I'm kind of stuck here. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually hear, okay, well, you're an alcoholic and that's what happens. I heard a little bit more like, well, come back and do the work. Like, come back to the room. So let's get started. And in my head, I imagined myself walking into the rooms mm-hmm. and being judged. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually understand that I was suffering from shame, by the way, because mm. it's very clear for us to see it now, babe. But all I felt was this intense failure of being. And like Brene says, I felt unworthy. So it's almost like you're a lost cause, right? Right. Especially when you know, like I had the information. Right. But I just didn't have the language. Right. Which I, I grew up in a culture in which shame was a teaching tool. Right. I bet you too. Because like, think about it. Again, me from Mexico, you with Italian parents. Mm -hmm. Did your mom ever say to you, oh, sweetie, what you did, that wasn't a great choice, honey. Mm. Or did she say, little girls that are bad do this or good girls don't do that? Yeah, I think for me, I mean, we were talking about this in terms of my relationship to sex, for example, right? right? When I had sex when I was 18, my mother said, you're going to hell because that's premarital sex. And right? that's shame, right? She was well, trying to shame you into being good. Here's the thing that I would just say about that for me in my experience. I was judging myself about sex. And then just like you said how people are mirrors for us, right? Of course, I was judging myself. And then my mother says, you're going to hell for this act. And then it was my mind, it was perfect for me to go hold her up and say, you're the reason why this is bad. The thing about shame that is so insidious is that it's just like addiction, whereas it has a certain way it speaks to you in your mind. And then it creates a feeling in your body. And then it leads to more, like if we're not speaking about it, if we're not sharing about it, then it leads to more of the bad action, which then has us be in that same small tunnel of a place. Okay, so you actually just had a brilliant sentence in there, which actually carries what would be the kryptonite 
against Mm -hmm. shame. You said, if you don't speak it. And again, back to the master of all the research on shame, Brene. Yeah. When you speak to shame about shame, Mm. it loses its hold on you. Mm. It loses its power. Words wrapped around shame Mm -hmm. basically make it less real Mm -hmm. and make it take, I mean, you can separate it, right? And so in my case, I actually reached out to a person who was, I knew, in recovery. And I knew that they could empathize with me. They could jive with my situation because they too had relapsed multiple times. Mm. And so when I reached out to her, I didn't reach out from the perspective of, I am bad and you are good and you're going to judge me, but I still need your help. I reached out saying, I am bad because I keep doing that. Right. And her response was, you're not bad. You're an alcoholic. And that's what alcoholics do. So let's, let's remember your truth and not use it to shame yourself or to judge yourself, but to enlighten what the fuck is happening. And when she gave me all of a sudden that permission to mm. look at the truth yeah, without the judgment, without, and she, she actually said, fuck the shame that you're feeling, Pamela. Right. We're not going to play that game. Exactly. You are a woman who suffers from addiction. Right. And what you're telling me has nothing to do with you being a horrible human being. Yeah. It has everything to do with you being an alcoholic who is living that alcoholism. So I love that. And I think it's such a powerful point about how to understand and get out of shame. Yeah. Right? Because that feeling of shame, that pain that you're in, it comes from a way that you're talking to yourself. Mm-hmm. And she was able to identify that the way that you're talking to yourself is alcoholism. Right. It's not even your voice. You said to episodes ago mm-hmm. that your addiction yes. lies to you. Yes. In your voice. Exactly. Here's the thing, you guys. If you don't share about shame, then you won't hear the truth. The truth being reality. She reflected reality. And that's why shame is so insidious because we don't talk about it. Yeah. Therefore, we're stuck believing it. Therefore, we're stuck with that same pitiful, painful cycle. Right. But she was able to show you exactly what was actually going on, which is like the miracle. God, yes. The miracle that happens when we're willing to be honest. And that's the thing, babe. The minute that shame wins the race, is when you literally believe it and then you are quiet. Yeah. And here's the thing. We all experience shame, everyone on yeah. different levels. Yeah. But for people like us who are in addiction, it has the capacity to fucking kill us. Yes. And that's why this conversation is so fucking relevant. When that woman said, you are not a shitty person, you are not an asshole, you do not deserve to you know, be shamed, judged, told that you deserve this, that you should have, that you could have. She took all of that shit away, right? And she left me in the beauty of looking at my addiction face to face with open arms, naked body, and be able to wash off that horrible pain and that horrible heat of shame and say, all right, great, where do we go now? Because the minute that I spoke it 
and she empathized with me. Yes. Then all of a sudden, I had permission to release that shit yes. and be able to start setting myself on yes. the path to freedom again. And that is so fucking powerful. Holy shit, what you just said. I think, babe, that we could probably have a whole podcast about shame. I would. We might. <laughs> we might. Stay tuned. So because you really just took us on your journey with shame, right? Yeah. Like how that pain actually became a vehicle for you to do something different. And I'm curious, after you had that conversation, you have this big, you know, aha with her and she can empathize with you and she takes away this feeling and these thoughts like you're bad, you're wrong, because now you have an understanding you're an alcoholic. So what do you do about that? I think that the first thing is it allowed me, again, to be in in absolute, like, just no movement, right? Because mm-hmm. shame has the capacity. It's so powerful mm-hmm. that it, it just, it stops everything from growing, right? So the minute that, number one, she kind of addressed it head mm-hmm. on, I was able to then separate the truth from the false, right? Mm-hmm. I was able to, at that point, say, what comes next? And, and we talk about shame in a very, like, because it's so powerful, it's a little difficult to explain the path of action. But in this case, again, putting words, sharing it, mm-hmm. right? And then it's almost like you just make the decision to say, not today, bitch. I'm not going to let you wrap yourself like a serpent around my throat mm-hmm. and take me right back to the bottle, which is my case. That was my solution. That was the only mm-hmm. fucking way that it stopped gripping me. And so when this happens and the what next is the next question. Then I can advance into my path of recovery, which in this case was starting to talk to her more, picking up the program again, you know, showing up, knowing that if people said, oh, nice to have you back. Right. It was nice to have you back. Right. Not where have you been? Oh, you unworthy woman who has fallen from grace, which is what I had been listening to in my head. And it wasn't true. And then I was able to start moving ahead with what was taking me on my path of healing Mm. and get just enough sense of self, just enough sobriety, just enough grace into my life to start feeling self-compassion again. Mm. And little by little, the more I did that, and the more I consciously then mm-hmm. recognized when I was in shame, because it didn't go away from one day to the other, you mm-hmm. still feel it. Mm-hmm. But once you start to recognize it, mm-hmm. I could even say, oh, because I, I would feel it taking over, whether it was from the inside or the outside, right? I would feel it. But in that moment, I was like, oh, look, it's happening again. Yeah. And then Brene says, you get your frontal cortex back online rather than reacting out of this heat and impulse and mm. i mean defensiveness or or or, or devoid of any action cuz then it's like yeah. you can't breathe you get a chance to kind of say all right that's happening and you separate it and then you can breathe again i love that i love that you said it was a process for you because yeah. the first action you did take actions but the first action was not to put down the drink, it was to keep calling her. Yeah. 
And that is so important to understand, I think, because one of the scary things for me was, okay, I'm not drinking anymore. And now what? So I'll tell you about my relationship to shame. I would love to hear. When I was drinking, shame was always what I woke up to in the morning. I remember on my 30th birthday party, it was my brother's wedding the night before. Mm. And I got so, so drunk that I passed out in my bridesmaid dress, don't remember the end of the night, was lying on my bed, and then had to get up the next morning and go into my entire family who was already at brunch, all like perfectly dressed and it's Sunday and sunny and brunch in Central Park, New York. And I'm walking downstairs and my makeup is crusty and my hair is a disaster. And that feeling in the pit of my stomach, like I am an asshole. What is wrong with me? The voice of shame always said, what is wrong with you, Alyssa? Yeah. Right. It was not. So to Brene's point, it was never about, oh, I drank too much last night. It was there's something wrong with me because my relationship with alcohol was one that I could not control. And I could not for the life of me understand why there were so many areas of my life I could control. But in this area, I couldn't. And that shame that I woke up with when I couldn't stop it. And I I didn't even want to. I wasn't even planning on drinking that much. That was heartbreaking for me. Yeah. And you said something so important. You said, I couldn't understand why in other areas of my life. And that basically, it's like your brain is wired to help you be successful in everything. Yeah. But when it comes to alcohol, your brain wasn't doing that for you. Yeah. And until you weren't clear on that, like probably what you're saying is your head was saying, you're shit. Like, what the fuck? Exactly. So that my thoughts were a response to me doing something that didn't feel right, Mm. didn't feel right to my heart. And so for me, the feeling of shame comes from taking actions that aren't right. You're in out of alignment with out your of values. alignment. And the painful thing is that that feeling is so painful. And I can totally relate to you. Like yeah. this, you know, I remember the other shameful experience I had, like this this memory that stands out for me is I lose my apartment in New York City. A month later I lose my job. And I'm about 101 pounds and I'm going to Bikram yoga twice a day and eating bags of nuts like crazy. Okay. Using all of your addictions, by the way, to get out of the pain. Like exactly. It was like an addiction fast. Okay. And I remember having this moment at yoga, like I had to stop because I was just like, I just been fired. I didn't know my future. And I remember I went to the frozen yogurt store and I (laughs) I got frozen yogurt and I'm crossing the street. And I'm like, I don't even know why I'm alive. Oh my goodness. I don't even know why this makes sense anymore. That was a dark thought for me. And I just remember 
the feeling that came with that thought. So for me, it's very clear that my feeling of shame comes from my self-talk, comes from what I'm doing that is so inconsistent with who I know myself to be. But just like you, I didn't know what to do with that because telling the truth about that meant that I couldn't do it anymore. I had to change. What does that mean? Hang on. The truth of that means that I couldn't do it anymore. Meaning what? I could not do the same things I had been doing. I could not drink the way I'd been drinking. I could not go to yoga the way I've been doing it. I couldn't eat the way I've been doing it. Like it's a paradox because addiction for me is a paradox. I'm doing something I don't want to do and I can't stop. And therefore, there's something wrong with me. And therefore, I can't tell anybody that because there's something wrong with me. I could not physically bring myself to tell anybody that because I really believed there was something wrong with me. You said it earlier. If I had admitted it, like if you had actually been honest. I'd have to stop. Right. And you don't want to stop because your addiction also tells you that you have to protect it. Exactly. Oh, it's so fucked. But again, when we put the words to it, we now find that we can ditch the shame in all that and move forward. Yeah. And I think that the important part is to, just like you said, have the awareness and put the language to it. But really, the truth is also the way to get out of shame is to speak about it. Mm. And what you did, which is so beautiful, is you told somebody that you knew could empathize, they could relate. Yeah. That was really hard at that stage in my life because I actually didn't have anybody that I felt safe enough sharing with. Yeah. I actually, you know, I wasn't in a program. I had friends, but they were not close friends. They were all buying my story that everything looked great Mm. and I was fine. So I didn't know who to go. I was lost. Yeah. And I think that who I called was my sister. Mm. And she was just somebody that I could just, she could remind me who I am, who I am in my soul Mm -hmm. and who I am in my heart and who I am that is so much bigger than what my mind was telling me in that moment. And sometimes when we are so scared and we're in so much pain, we just need to be reminded that we are bigger than that. There's more than that. And that's all I needed in that moment. And then what happened was that life really gave me everything that I need. The route of like movement that life provides is always moving us through these moments. It's just how do we get out of these moments of the feeling of discomfort of this heartbreaking pain that we're in. I love that you mentioned you didn't have a lot of people like that around you Mm -hmm. because not everyone has, you know, access to perhaps someone in a program or a coach or a teacher. I mean, ideally, part of getting recovered and taking action and taking ownership, as we'll continue to explain, is you build those relationships. You seek those teachers. You seek those people that can guide you and can continue to bring you into that road of 
growth, of recovery, right? But in this particular case, your most powerful and precious connection of family, of someone who loved you, who had the ability to see you, who had the ability to give you the love that in that moment you just couldn't feel for yourself yes. was a family member. Yes. And it begins there. It's almost that simple. You identify, mm-hmm. you are willing and brave because mm-hmm. that's the thing, right? If you hadn't been willing to be honest, if you hadn't been like, it doesn't matter if you had been surrounded by gurus, mm-hmm. like you just had to make that decision. Willing to share. Willing to share, right? Willing to get curious and wonder, am I really a shitty person or is there something bigger operating here? The feeling is so visceral that there was no other thoughts. Like, how do I get relief? Yeah, it drowns your your ability to rationalize through it. But the difference is I didn't go to the drink. So like, here's the, the point I think it's important to highlight is that when we're in those feelings of like deep pain, the first place we go is our relief is our yes right and that is a dead end this is the point right the point of demarcation is in going let me tell somebody yeah let me tell somebody i'm in this pain that's it if anyone out there is listening to this and going oh so that's what i feel every time i like fill in the blank like here's the cool thing She and I are very specifically looking back with clarity, but this is for you guys to get curious. Everything that she's talking about, like, it's almost like we had to go through it Mm -hmm. to see it so clearly and know that it was part of our process. You said it earlier, babe, I use shame as a vehicle for transformation, but I could have so easily just gotten stuck there. If you hadn't had that first, the pain, then the willingness, the honesty, the reaching out. And then that moment of saying, and now what? Yes. Yeah. And I believe that there is something divine in that moment. Mm -hmm. There's something that is greater than what I had the capacity to see. And that to me is spirituality. That is where there is this opening into this world that my mind does not understand. So I felt in the moment I spoke to my sister, this relief, this mm. peace, almost like how I got from the vice, but it was, it was in a much more loving way. It was a right. much more different way. So I just think that understanding shame is so powerful because it provides a way yeah. for us to take the next step move into action. Yeah. Give yourselves permission to be human. That's another thing, right? We all go through this. Yes. And shame has a way of making you feel like you're the only one. Yes. And that you're the only one who's unworthy and shitty and stuck. And guess what? We all feel the same. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, wow. Some heavy shit today. (laughs) I want to say one more thing. Brene Brown, the last word in her definition is the word connection. Mm. And that we are all looking for connection. And what blocks us from that connection is our thinking. Our thinking that we're wrong. Our thinking that we're bad. The voice of shame. 
the voice of our addiction. Exactly. Yeah. So connection is possible. Connection comes from speaking about it. For sure. Because the minute I speak about it, I'm not disconnected from you anymore. Yeah. I love that. I've many times both heard and said that addiction is disconnection. Mm -hmm. And so if addiction is disconnection and shame is disconnection, you can see how powerful they go hand in hand, right? And so again, back to recovery, because the whole point of this is, is look, if this is the problem, then here's also the solution. Yeah. Right. And in between the problem and the solution, the bridge is bravery and action and willingness. Yeah. And Gabor Mate says that too, the opposite of addiction is connection. Yeah. So, and recovery is connection. So we tied it all together. Look at you buttoning it all up, mama. Awesome. Okay, guys, thank you once again for being here, from doing this little rumbo with us, salsa dancing through the really high-level concepts, through our stories, through your stories. Again, this is a conversation, man. This is for you to look at your life and say, how does this resonate with me? What does this mean? It's the whole willingness, honesty, and then action. Speaking of action, listen to our next episode. And if you are looking for what to do now, please go to our page that we've set up for you, mybadassrecovery.com slash podcast. And we are having a list of all of our excellent resources there for you. And if you liked this episode, please rate, review, and share. Share, because guess what? When you share, then we have more eyes, more ears, and more hearts that open. All right, guys. Thank you again for your time. Thank love you. having you guys with we us. We love you. Give me that microphone.